And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. It's Monday! Hey everybody, welcome to the World of Mythbits podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Barty, and it is all things the world of myth today. Yay! The magazine came out today, and this is the podcast where I talk about everything in the magazine that came out today. So, if you haven't had a chance to look at the magazine, I will try and keep our spoilers down to a minimum, but... If you haven't, and you're listening, go read the magazine. What are you doing listening to me? Go read the magazine, then come back and listen to me talk about the magazine. Okay, so, first off, I gotta tell you, our covers just blow me away. Oh, this is episode 36, by the way. Did I say that already? I don't know. I'm a little scattered today. Our Our covers, the cover art that we have just amazes me because I can't draw a stick figure. So the one on the cover by Trevor Saunders called Watch Over My Dreams, just that one really hit me. Um, I guess because the summer solstice just passed and I'm always a little eh about the summer solstice. Everybody's all excited. Woohoo! First day of summer! Yay! And I'm like, no! What you don't realize is the days are now going to get shorter. The days are now going to get colder. The light is going to go away. And then it'll be dark times again and cold times and snow and miserable and icky. And we're halfway through the year and what the hey! Hello. CJ's saying hello. Um, I always get excited on the first day of winter because... The days will start getting longer. The days will start getting warmer and it'll get lovely. And Trevor Saunders' picture um, reminded me a lot of the god Hearn. Or you can uh, relate him to Pan or Kernunos, whoever, the horned god. Um... And he is very apropos in the spring and in the summer. Um, so it just, it really struck me. I know I'm starting in the art gallery this week. <laughs> so that's our cover. And since I'm already in the art gallery, I might as well continue. We have um, another incredible piece by Ed Bickford called Caught This One Trying to Escape. And... When you read the title and you look at the picture, you can really kind of catch the humor behind what's going on within that piece of artwork. And then we have another incredible piece by Boriana Ananieva called Wanted. And her artwork just, it just gives me chills. Gives me chills. So that one, I mean, you can really see the deviance in his eyes in the mugshot. It just, yeah, well done, well done. And then we have Christopher Harris's interpretation. It is an interpretation of the God of Rock. And 
you know, he's got the cheesy grin, he's got the halo, but you're looking at the piece and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing horns and then you start getting into the finer details of the picture and you've got the singer and you've got the lead guitarist and they're in the palms of the hands of the God of rock and he controls what they do. Like you can see the connections and the, the wires and everything attaching to them, attaching to him. So well done, Christopher. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Okay. So you probably noticed my intro was short and there is a reason why my intro was short because the podcast, as I said in my intro, the podcast where I discuss everything about the magazine is coming out on the same day that the magazine is coming out. So it would seem kind of redundant if I went over everything in my intro and then just, you know, regurgitated it into the podcast. I wanted you to hear my impressions of each piece over reading it and then hearing me say it again. I'm nothing if not anti-redundant. I was going to say redundant and that would just totally defeat the purpose of what I was trying to do. So. That's why my intro was short. So featured article this month is Steve Carr's Muddy Water. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I, I Yeah, that got chosen as featured article for the very specific reason of the fact that I can't get that story out of my head. It has been stuck in my head since I've read it. And I'm going to talk about it now. You will find it over in the horror section. And if you're not a big horror fan, I understand that. But I really suggest reading this one because you don't see the ending coming. When I got to the end of the story, my I actually went back a couple of paragraphs. Did I miss something? I went back a couple of paragraphs and read that again. Because it just, wham, hits you out of left field. It's like, oh my god, that is absolutely perfect. Karmic justice, almost at its best. It was, it, as always with Steve's work, it was very well written. It was very easy to read. It flowed very well. But that ending just, oh, <laughs> gave me chills. And it... Uh, I should know better than to read stuff that's going into the horror section before bed. But like I said, that story has been stuck in my head and I've been thinking about it since I read it. Um, okay, we're going to stay in, in horror. Then you have um, Bruce Rowe, A Tale from an Eyeless Face. Now, I wasn't exactly... I was kind of torn on whether to put this in humor or whether to put this in horror. And I thought, you know... Horror is the, is the best fit for it, but well done at taking that level of apprehension and breaking it at the end of the story. Like, again, these endings, I'm telling you people, these endings are just mind blowing. So it's an, it's a really good tale. I think you'll really enjoy it. I suggest you read it. I really enjoyed it. The ending did make me, I, I will admit, I had a, a guffaw. I guffawed. Um, and then we have 
Rude Awakenings by Tom Fowler, part two. And this wraps up everything that you read in part one last month. And, oh yeah, it's, it's, really wants, really makes you look at the people you live with and, and, you know, start to, to look at them with suspicion and, and question and, you know, you're getting that drink of water or that glass of milk or that, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're kind of looking at it going, is it the right color? Is there anything? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, again, not one to read before bed. <laughs> and then Dawn de Braille with Santa Anna Wind. And this is not your typical, um, obvious monster horror story. And I read through it the first time and went, okay, this is a really good story, but I know I'm missing something. So I went back and I read it again. And there are a lot of subtle nuances throughout the story that really tie up nicely at the end. And it's an incredible story. Well done. And the ending just, yeah, mine. <laughs> it was, it was really good. Really good. I was not expecting. And it, and it's not that there's this big, ugly, horrific monster that comes out of the shadows and kills everybody. No. It is a normal, average, everyday, seemingly typical, creature that you would not suspect at all in any way shape or form so that rounds out our horror section now up in fantasy we have mark kodama and land of the trolls now i as a canadian really enjoyed this story i snorked and snickered and heartily guffawed a couple of times throughout this story and I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions and come to your own theories and and comparisons um just enjoy the story it's all all I can say just enjoy the story and then we have the rising part two which you start to see a little more action in the story. We had part one last month and there will be several parts. This is going to be an ongoing series in the magazine and it's by Jeff R. Young and you get to know the characters a little more. Um, they're starting to learn a little more defense tactics, a little more about what's going on and you, there's a lot more interaction between them in part two. So there's a lot more conversation and you really get to see the personalities of the characters. So there's The Rising, part two. And then David K. Montoya's next insert for The Missing Unicorn in the Land of the Zombie Fairies, part three. <laughs> I have to admit, I am thoroughly 
thoroughly loving this whole fantasy side of David and this story that he's writing for his daughters. And I can't wait until my granddaughter comes up for summer holidays because I want to read this story to her. And by then, there should be a part four out. So I'll be able to read the four parts and then she's going to be chomping at the bit, waiting, waiting, waiting. So then I'm going to have to set up a weekly or a monthly um, Skype or Facebook chat, video chat with her once a month so that I can read her the next part of the story because I know she's going to love it. I enjoy it. So we have that piece by David and then we have my next installment in the Chosen series. I've given it a name finally, The Chosen. And that's Celeste and Merrick and Rendall and uh, we brought in um, Siobhan <laughs> briefly. <laughs> but I don't think when, when I did Ren um, two months ago I didn't really give much of a lead up as to what it was going to be about. And it was, that was basically explaining how Ren became Rendall. And now for the love of Ren is a little farther into his life. Um, and then you, you start to see, you'll start to see the connections between Celeste and Merrick and Rendall and how the three you've noticed three seems to be a big thing. The three are connected. And of course you do have the elders or back in, in this time, because we've gone back in history now from where Celeste and Merrick are now we've gone back in time and I'm telling Ren's story up to the point where everybody is. Um, so yeah, go ahead and read that because I'm not going to tell you any more about it because I can sit here and talk about that all night. So that's our fantasy section. I hope you enjoy it. Now over in action and suspense, we have, yay, part three of Liberty's Call by Walter Esselman. And I have been waiting for part three. So part four it will be coming out in July. And it, the action, it's really, things are really starting to pick up now. Things are really starting to happen. Um, you're getting to the climax of the story and you're starting to ask questions. There are situations that are arising and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> how are they going to fix that? Oh my God. <laughs> so I can't wait for part four. Part three is incredible and it's building on that suspense of the first two parts and it's, it, you can, you can, as you're reading the story, you know, it's all coming to a head. It's all coming to that moment. Um, so we have that. And then we have part 19 of Through the Eyes of Madness by David K. Montoya. And I will say right now, not for the faint of heart. Remember, we are an R-rated magazine and All I can say is, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> the boy went down. 
The boy went down. In his birthday suit at that. In his birthday suit at that, he went down. Um, watch for the twist. It, it's, there is, I was reading it, and when I got to a certain point, and then I went, oh my god. Oh my god. Because you find, find out the connection between Jack and the gray eyed man. And there is a connection. If you've been following along, you've been questioning and wondering, as I have been. And it's, it's very subtle. You, you, it's, it's not like written in this big aha revelation. So pay, pay attention and you will find it. Well done. Well done. And then in science fiction, we have, um, DC Diamondopolis has come back with Safe Harbor. And what an incredibly beautiful, an emotional and touching story. I just, I fell in love with this story. It was just so unexpected for one, completely unexpected. And if I had the choice, I'd go. I would, if I could take my loved ones with me, I would choose to go. The gene is bad. Um, but I, I loved this story. Absolutely loved this story. And I'm beginning to wonder if there's anything that this woman cannot write. <laughs> so then we pop over to humor. And in our humor, we have Marty was a jewel. By Walter Giersbach. Giersbach. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you see all these, these things that you can do um, with a loved one. You can plant a tree in memoriam. You can have a bench. You can have their thumbprint put on a piece of jewelry. Uh, save a lock of hair. You can plant their ashes and have them grow as a tree. Make them into jewelry. So many things you can do. But the question is, when you get that, are you positive that that's who you got? Are, how can you be 100% sure that what you have is the loved one you sent off. Marty was a jewel. <laughs> Raises a few questions, a few eyebrows, and a whole lot of chuckles. <laughs> and then we have Letter to My Younger Self by Kevin Adams. And there was some debate between myself and the publisher about whether or not to put this in humor or put this over in poetry. Because it almost reads as a poem. But it's a letter to your younger self. What would you say to your younger self? Now, if you could write yourself, uh, your younger self a letter, what would you say to them? 
definitely you won't go blind. I got to give Kevin that one. He nailed that right on the head. <laughs> Although most of my generation wears glasses, so that can't, that might, that might hold some merit. Anyway, so that is our story section. And I have to say, everybody, well done. I was thoroughly entertained. I thoroughly enjoyed reading every submission. And some of them I read more than once. Now, I, re I always read them straight through, no editing, because I want to get the feel for the story. I want to get the flow of the story. And then I go back and I do my editing bit, you know, comma here, period there, capital, whatever, what I have to do. And I never change the integrity of the story. I never change, uh, unless I'm editing Dave's story and then I just move words around. <laughs> I mean, just make it flow better. But he lets me do that. So um, I don't change the original structure of the story. My editing consists of periods and capitals and spell check and the like. Um, most stories don't need a whole lot of spell check, even though the page could be almost covered in red squiggly lines because they don't recognize spell check doesn't like a lot of the creative names that we come up with. I actually had to add Merrick and Rendall to my dictionary because the red squiggly lines were annoying me. So I read them all through the first time to get the feel for the story. And then I go back and do my editing. And like I said, some of them I went back and I read again just to, like, wow, okay, how did I not see that coming? <laughs> and go back and, and read it again. Um, well done. Well done. Remember, when you're doing anything in italics, please underline. It makes it so much easier for me not to miss it because I have to add these funky little brackets around it so that when it gets to Dave, who does all the coding, the coding picks it up and you see it in italics on the magazine. If you don't underline it, I may miss it because I'm into the flow of the story. I try not to, but I'm human. So remember, if you're putting something in italics, underline, underline, underline. Thank you. It's my PSA for today. Okay, so moving right along, then we go over to our poetry section. And I would like to welcome newcomer Thomas McDade. And say welcome to the family. I'm sorry, I just completely had a brain fart. Um, he wrote a really lovely poem. Um, I didn't want to stop reading it when it ended. I'm like, what? No, wait, wait, <laughs> wait. I thoroughly, I really enjoy. I know I keep saying, that's my cat. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it called Mercury Park, and he's a newcomer. Welcome. And then we have Karma, Busy as a Beaver by Copper Rose. And let that be a lesson to you, city it's. <laughs> That's what we call them, the city folk that come up. Because I live basically in cottage country, where everybody has their, their summer vacation homes and, and campgrounds and whatever. And that's where I live year-round. So when everybody comes up from the city, they're driving like city and acting like city 
and that's what we call them. So I, I really liked karma. Busy as a beaver. <laughs> I love beavers. And then we have um, another amazing piece by Christopher Bice called The Banshee. And really enjoyed that one. Wasn't quite what I was expecting when I read The Banshee, like the title. And then I read the poem and went, oh, okay, that's, that's a different perspective. So, good job. And then we have chapter five and six of the epic poem, The Prince of Mexico by Mark Kodama. And again, this is going to be an ongoing series for quite a few more chapters. And it's starting to get a little more into the history, a little more into um, the character history as well. And then we have Forever by Jeff R. Young. And it is beautiful. And he told me he wrote it for his wife, which, you know, touched the mushy side of me. And it is, it is, to be, to be loved like that is something I think, will you shush? Hello? Hi. All right, now be quiet. Uh, to be loved like that, I think, is something that we all dream of, we all hope for, we all strive for. And sometimes we're lucky enough to find it. And then we have um, something by Randolph R. Lofgren, and it's another one of his wordplay. And well done. And then we have Modern Day Ghost Stories by Kevin Magnus. And this one I really, really enjoyed. Um, that just that, you know, tell my sister she was right. Or I believe her now. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see Kevin writing something other than the emo goth stuff that he usually writes and delving into a different style of poetry. And I'm really enjoying his ghost story series. And this one is not only entertaining, like not only does it keep your interest and you're wondering and you're reading and you're going, okay, but it's, it's got a bit of a, a bit of humor to it as well. So it's, it's, it's a really good one. And now we've already covered the art review. So then we're going to pop over to reviews because we have a few. Jason Bayshard. That poor man really needs to stop watching bad movies. He reviewed Locked Up in 2017. Okay. I'm putting out the warning now. There is non-child friendly language non-child-friendly images, like not actual images, but descriptions of scenes in the movie that are not child-friendly. So don't be reading his review out loud. Don't read it to your co-workers if your boss is around. But the review had me roaring. And um, because the review was so good... Um, I have allowed the minus two star rating for this. <laughs> you know, there is an editor's note that says, I am allowing the negative rating. Now, apparently a while ago, there used to be a hangman's noose to indicate a bad rating. So I'm going to talk to Jason and... Since he seems to have a, a 
penchant for really bad movies. I should actually send him. I, I do a bad movie. Started accidentally, but I do bad movie Sunday. Usually almost every Sunday. And I watch some really bad movies. So I'm going to start sending those titles over to Jason because he's in Canada too. So he'll get them on Netflix. And we might have to resurrect the hangman's noose for bad ratings, bad ratings. But yeah, the review is so good. And I had told Dave about this movie and how bad Jason had said it was. So Dave actually went and watched it himself. (laughs) I think he agrees, Jason. I think he agrees. Okay. So then we have Michael A. Arnold has stepped out of the um, story writing element for a moment and has given us an incredibly well-written, well-thought-out review of the movie Tolkien. Now, I haven't seen the movie yet, and after reading his review, I'm going to be watching that movie now with a different set of eyes, because I love J.R.R. Tolkien. I love all of that he's done. I have been in love with his writing since grade nine English when we had to read The Hobbit. So I want to see that movie now, but I'm going to be looking at it from a different perspective and doing a little more research into the life of J.R.R. Tolkien. So thank you for that, Michael. And then we have a book review by Lady Lou. And it is a review of Laurel K. Hamilton's book, Narcissists and Chains. So, again, be warned. Laurel K. Hamilton, the Anita Blake series is not a series for the faint of heart. Um, If you're squeamish or have delicate sensibilities, don't read her books. They are good. So... Sorry, just got a message. I'm ignoring it. Then we have a video game review by Brendan B.J. Mueller. And it's Batman, the Telltale series. So you'll have to read that. I know very little about video games. I don't video games, so I don't really have a whole lot of comment on it. And then we have the art review by David K. Montoya. And this time... He decided to take a step away from his modernistic, postmodernistic art that he is, has been reviewing and has gone back and he reviewed Van Gogh's Starry Night. Now, I've always looked at this painting, um, in a, A beautiful and, and joyous um, kind of mindset, seeing the beauty of the night sky and, and the peacefulness of the village below and, and all of that. And then reading Dave's review, I have a totally different perspective. I didn't know where he had done the painting, for one, and to learn that he had actually done it in an asylum kind of changes the way you look at the painting because it's no longer it no longer stays peaceful and serene and 
and comforting, it now becomes wishful and, and desperate almost. And this is his view from the asylum window. So if you're in an, in an asylum, now he was there by choice, but if you're in an asylum, especially back in that time, that window, that little tiny window that you have to look on the outside world is your only window to the outside world. Behind you is chaos and crazy. Around you is chaos and crazy. And you look out that window and what you see is basically what you get. It's, it could be your desperation and your longing to be out there, but you're trapped. So his, his review, um, and his perspectives and the theories that he had about this particular painting completely changed my perspective, which is something that art should do. I mean, you can see a piece one way for years and years and years, but when you, and that's the thing with art is art is great to look at, but art doesn't really come alive until it's talked about, until it's discussed, until differing opinions meet. And then you see that piece with fresh eyes, a whole new perspective, change your perspective. So I really, 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 really was impressed with this review of Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night by David K. Montoya. It just completely changed my perspective on how I saw this painting. And I mean, it's one that you see everywhere. It's a common painting. It's popular. Everybody knows it, but you don't really think much about it. And yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at it differently. And I'm feeling different things about it. So, and I just, his knowledge, David's knowledge on art alone just completely blows my mind. And then, of course, we have, as always, commentary from our founder. And there are a few things. If you don't normally read the commentary, you need to go read the commentary. Um, there's few things coming up, pod books, and then some information on the open contract challenge and um, something about his stories, stuff about podcasts and PCE. And I do want to let you know that on... We will be taking, I do believe, it is... August off. There will be no World of Myth magazine published in August. We will be taking that month off. Now, only the editorial staff. Like, we're not putting out a magazine. That doesn't mean we're actually taking the month off. We're just not putting out a magazine. So, you can still submit your stories, your poetry, your artwork, your reviews. Please send us everything. Um, send us more than one thing. Send us, send it all. Because September 6th 
Now, we've moved the September issue to September 6th because that is our 15-year anniversary on that actual day, September 6th. So that's why it's moved from the 24th to September 6th for that one issue because we wanted it to come out on our actual 15-year anniversary. And the reason why we're taking August off is so that everything that we get in July and everything that we get in August, we are doing July's issue on the 24th. So if you want to send multiple things in, um, great, so that we're prepared for September's issue. But August, there will be no issue. Um, we're going to take everything that we have accumulated from now that isn't going in the, in the July issue and all through August and September's issue is going to be huge. And that's not all. We're not, and as he says, we're not done there. Not only will it be released in its regular digital format for free online, he's also decided to present it in our updated webpage, but in the original 2004 design as well. So you'll be able to see where the magazine started from, what it looked like when it first started 15 years ago, and what it, what it looks like today. That, that metamorphosis from really good idea, squiggly little caterpillar to Idea still going strong. Absolutely great idea. Now we have pretty wings. We're not, I'm not saying we have completed our metamorphosis. No, no. Because you're constantly growing. You're constantly changing. You're constantly evolving, especially in the digital world. But he is also going to offer it in print. So keep that in mind, folks. Send, if you want to send something in, it's going to be, the magazine will be available in September, on September 6th, that issue will be available in print. So, start sending me stuff for July and September. Huh, folks? So yeah, go read his um, commentary. There's quite a few interesting bits and bobs in there. And yeah, so now we're going to pop over to interviews. And the Mythmaster, of course, strikes again. I had to sneeze. Oh my lord. The Mythmaster strike. It must be the Mythmaster. I'm allergic to him. As soon as I got to his page, my nose started to itch and tingle. I'm allergic to him. So, okay. He did an interview with Christopher Bice. And Mythmaster started out with a little poem. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go and check it out. It was a really good interview. It was really interesting. It was funny. It was entertaining. Um, I enjoyed it. And by the sounds of things, Chris enjoyed himself too. So that, uh, and don't forget at the bottom, you're going to want to click on the link and, um, Click the words, click here. Where it says click here, click those words, and that'll take you to his podcast. So you can actually listen to The Mythmaster Torment, poor Chris. 
So that is our magazine for this month. And I, as always, am privileged and honored and blessed to be able to read all the wonderful stuff that is sent in to look at all the beautiful artwork and the poems and the stories, the wide variety of stories, and to welcome new, new contributors to our, our family. And, oh, I now have to say congratulations to Boriana Ananieva for member of the month. And our podcaster should be contacting you at some point to do the podcast. Um, so yeah, it's a great magazine. It's always a great magazine. And I'm not saying that to sound like I'm bragging or to sound like I'm, you know, I am proud of our magazine because I'm proud of the writers and the artists that contribute to our magazine. We get quality work. They send us quality work. They're great stories. They're beautiful poems. They're, they're thought-provoking artwork. I'm not saying that we have a great magazine because, you know, oh, I make it great. No, I'm a small contributor. I just do the editing and I write my little piece for my story. It's everybody that contributes to the magazine that makes this such a wonderful magazine. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please keep sending me your work. I really enjoy it. If you know people that should have their work seen, that, that should share their gift with others, let them know. Send them over. Give them a like. It's not going to cost them anything. You know? And I mean, I'm fairly reasonable. If, if I think it needs work, I'll tell you. And we'll work on it together to get it to where you're happy with it and it can go in the magazine. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, so go and check out www.theworldofmyth.com and see what this month has to offer because it came out today and like us on Facebook. You can follow our page on Facebook, the world of myth.com, the world of myth magazine on Facebook. And the podcast is the world of myth bits podcast on Facebook on Twitter. You can, it's at T W O M B P the world of myth bits podcast or search. You can follow us there or search the world of myth magazine on Twitter. We're over there as well. And I'm there, author Stephanie Barty, come find me. Or shoot me an email at stephaniebarty at theworldofmyth.com and let's chat. So thank you very much. Don't forget to vote. And if a story or a poem or a piece of artwork has moved you, leave a comment for the artist, for the writer. Uh, let them know that you enjoyed their piece and uh, show some appreciation and some love. Vote, vote, vote. Because we don't know. We put it out there. 
we don't know. We don't have access to how many people have clicked on the magazine, how many times our story's been read. We don't know. We don't know. Unless you vote. Now, if you don't like it, you don't have to vote, but comment. Explain in an intelligent, mature, adult manner what you didn't like about that piece. And remember, with writing, with poetry, with art, if it elicits an emotion, you've done your job. Whether it's, I don't like that piece, or I love that piece, you've done your job. And I just want to, um, I'm going to touch on this next week, because I want to talk about it a little more in depth. Um, I had a meeting to, last week with my social media guru, Barb. <laughs> she is phenomenal. And we were talking a little bit about platforms and um, things that you're passionate about, that you believe about in. And one of the things that has always bothered me as a writer and now as an author is people asking, oh, where'd you go to school? What classes did you take? What degrees do you have? I didn't. I don't. And none. I have high school education. I did um, a year. I did my legal administrative assistant course. I have some accounting courses. Never graduated. I do not have one creative writing, journalism, literature, or any sort of English post-secondary credit, degree, or diploma. None. And I'm not knocking school. I'm not saying don't go to school. What I'm saying is creativity doesn't need a degree. Do not think that you need to go and spend thousands of dollars at school to learn how to be creative. That will hone your craft. That will sharpen your skills. That will teach you how to write screenplays and how to formulate query letters and structuring. But creativity has to be there first. If you have creativity, all you need for creativity is imagination and willpower. And you can sit down and you can write that book. You don't need a degree to write that book. might need a good editor, but you don't need a degree to write that book. So don't think because you don't have that piece of paper that says that you're intelligent enough or you're experienced enough to write that book that you can't write that book. See, nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever discouraged me from writing because I don't have a writing background. So... I never, it never crossed my mind that I couldn't do it. But I have come across quite a few people, actually, that, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the schooling or, you know, I don't have the, the, the training. What? No, no, no. Creativity does not need a degree. Hashtag. Creativity does not need a degree. 
You can write that book without it. You can write that story. You can paint that picture. You can write that poem without a degree. Just do it. Like Nike says. <laughs> anyway, okay. So that's my, that's my mini rant for this week. So www.theworldofmyth.com. Go check out the magazine. It's all brand new and shiny. Um, and we will chat with you all next week. Thank you again to all our contributors and welcome our new members. And congratulations, Steve Carr, on featured article. And to our member of the month, Boriana Ananieva. And we will chat with you in seven days. See ya. The World of Mythbits.